From the PSIA AASI Safer at Home Studios in Nederland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas with a whole heck of a lot of people tonight. We're bringing you live a Tea Talk. Uh, Stacy Garish, I would love for you to kind of go into what Tea Talks are about, how they were created, and uh, then we can get into our topics. Uh, sure, George. Um, I'd be happy to talk to you about the Tea Talk. So, um, first of all, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, this is our 41st Tea Talk. Uh, we started these uh, last March when everything shut down due to the pandemic, and it was a way for a group of us to get together and connect and just talk about the industry, uh, skiing, snowboarding, teaching, and it kind of grew some momentum, and uh, next thing you knew, we're up to 41, and we've got people joining us from all over the world. So 41 of these, you've done them weekly, and this is kind of a labor of love that you started, right, Stacy? That is correct. Well, I started, I can't take all the credit. Um, I started it with uh, Ryan McClare and Lynn Hasday, uh, two of my coworkers at Beaver Creek. Um, but we are doing this completely on our own. So um, while we all work at Beaver Creek, it's, it's hosted by the three of us. We use our personal Zoom account. And yeah, we just decided to roll with it. And we're, uh, I'm personally blown away by the level of engagement. So thanks to the audience for continuing to tune in. Um, we usually have somewhere between 30 and 60 people every week tune in. So it's pretty cool. So how did these come to be as far as topics every week? How do you come up with the idea for what your show is going to be? Well, that's a great question. Um, oftentimes, well, most of the time, we bring in a guest presenter. So, um, And then we, we let the presenter sort of choose their topic. The only rules are that we don't have any political topics um, and that we don't talk about the pandemic. So no pandemic, no politics. And other than that, it's fair game. And usually people do pick topics that are, um, you know, centered around uh, helping us out in the snow sports industry. Well, as you and I were talking, as we were thinking about putting this together um, for a topic, we really we came up with uh, something that we've done as a series on First Chair, which is family privates. And we were talking about that before the season got underway. And I wanted to see how family privates were actually coming into play how they were working out with people and uh, really from different resorts um, because a family private can be a heck of a lot of work. Wouldn't you agree, Stacy and Ryan? Definitely. Um, they're a lot of work and they can be really gratifying because you get to see a family who's on vacation together, uh, learn together. But if I'm being perfectly honest, they can be also very frustrating. Um, and they're quite popular, especially this year with, um, people wanting to stay with their family unit um, and maybe save a little money. Um, we've got quite a few pros on the call. I wonder if any of them would like to share their experiences around family privates this winter. What do you think, George? Well, and we got a really nice comment here from JT. If we could bring him in, I'd love for him to, to mention that. That's actually a woman, um, I believe. I think that's Jane Tarlow. Jane, would you like to unmute and share your comment with us? Sure. Hey, George, thanks for being with us. It's great to hear your voice live. Thank you, um, I just, yeah, I just put in a comment. Um, we do a lot of family private business. And I've always been curious about the offering of that product to brand new beginners. And out of respect to our guests' interest in sharing time together, 
Um, we have some fantastic children's programs and I feel like often we neglect the opportunity to say, why don't you let your kids go learn? We'll help you learn. And we can come together again a couple of days later when everyone is secure in their own skiing skills. And we can have a much different kind of experience than parents who worry about their kids' success or don't have the same skills as their kids, which often makes the product less than it might be. Yeah, that's a really great point, uh, Jane. Thanks for bringing that up. I think, you know, we can be the best salespeople at our at our resorts, and it's important to, especially with beginners. So, you know, beginners don't know what they don't know, right? They're beginners. Um, so imagine if you went somewhere to learn something for the first time, um, I don't know, pick a sport, let's say rock climbing. And if you didn't know how to rock climb and you showed up at the rock for your lesson, um, you might ask questions like, why are we starting at the bottom? Why not in the middle? Like you just don't know what you don't know. And so I think it's great, Jane, that you brought that up. And as instructors, we do need to educate our guests and let them know what products we have available and let them know that children do really well in lessons with other children. There's a comment there from Donnie. Um, Donnie, would you like to unmute and share your comment? Uh, sure. Um, when the family gets together, especially with younger kids, uh, the parents feel like, you know, that they have to discipline their kids during the lesson. Uh, and, and that takes away from their learning. So I like to say right off the bat that they're off duty. They don't, they don't have to worry about managing the kids. That's my job. And I also see a comment here from Margaret Thomas. I'd love to hear your story that you mentioned. Hey, hey, George, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Um, as Stacy mentioned, family lessons can be chaotic. They can also be rewarding. One thing, especially this year with families coming out because um, they, they wanna try skiing together, they're not really gonna take a cruise or go to Disneyland or go to Mexico this year. And um, I often um, give each person in the family a job so that they can be grounded in their job. And, and generally the job goes something like this. Dad is up front um, helping do movement analysis with me mom is in the back doing safety patrol and then each of the kids are working on their own skills and tasks depending on what level they are and it ends up kind of reinventing or at least um rediscovering among the family amongst the family members what strengths they have and how they really connect together both on the slopes and off and susan applegate would you like to add to that i see you made a really uh i think very good comment there <laughs> I just want to say I love Margaret's way of handling the problem or one of the problems that can happen and that is sometimes the parents start to teach the kids start to tell them what they think you're trying to tell them or trying to show them they're going to do it better or do it instead or re-explain it uh, so that some the idea of telling the parents they're off duty or giving them another job helps take them away from that position. And Stacy, this can be a real coordinating act. I mean, we're professionals, we need to make this work, but it can be a handful. Yes, it can be a handful. Um, it's definitely a lesson to be prepared for, um, I think to Margaret's point and um, never underestimate 
what can happen when you bring a family together. Um, it looked like Bobby had her hand up. I don't know, Bobby, did you want to unmute and contribute to the conversation? And while we're waiting for Bobby, Brian Smith, I see you made a comment. Would you like to, to speak? I love that about the motivation of families that want to ski and learn together. Yeah, thank you. I, I recently had an experience with a family that chose to um, break into two separate classes, similar to what uh, Donnie was talking about, where the father and mother of the family had never skied before, but the children separately had learned skiing in the last year or two. Um, the family did want to learn to ski so they could all ski together at the same level. So I spent three days with the mother and father mm -hmm. and trained them to a point where they could finally on the fourth day ski with their children who had been in a separate class the previous three days. Um, I was fascinated <laughs> to see the motivation in this because the, the, the husband was very excited to learn to ski and the wife was very excited to learn to ski. However, she was much more talented. So I had to actually balance my training between um, the expertise the wife was, was, was experiencing and the performance that the husband needed to be brought to so they could be evenly matched at the end of the three days. It was successful, mm -hmm. but it is a balancing act. And at the end, uh, the family skied together on the fourth and fifth day and then went back into Miami. <laughs> I think I'm back. I hear from Bobby. Okay, hi you guys. Um it's interesting. I, I have to concur. Um I don't remember because I, I just came on late. Um that it um that family private can be one of the best things and it can also be one of the worst, uh depending on. And I think because I've been doing this for a very long time, as as you know, Stacey. And I think as the instructor, it, first of all, you, ha you have to kind of look at the entire group and you're kind of going to know, I guess, who the, I don't know, the alpha male is going to be or the alpha female, I, I don't know. It varies all the time. But the instructor really is the one who sets the rules. And if that, I think if that's done in a very polite, conscious, um, guest-oriented way, that it can be very successful. I also have questioned the reservation system several times on what questions are they asking when you get a family, let's say there's five of them together. It could be, as we know, well, know, grandma, mom, dad, a teenager, and a four-year-old. Well, we know that's not gonna be the best ever combination, but it's workable. But I, as I say, I think setting the ground rules in a very professional, uh, concise way uh, can get you through it. Sometimes it doesn't work so good, uh, but as long as you explain yourself to the family, this is what we need to do. And we can, if, especially if it's like an all day, you've got time to to you know work with uh, individuals um, as well. Not the entire group is together, but we do push. And at least I remember hearing this when I first started there, even twenty years ago. Um, the family. Uh, pr experience was probably one of the top things at Beaver Creek. Family oriented, very much so. Best teaching terrain ever. So it's hard to get away from that um, because it sells. And it, we know it's expensive. But so that those are my, my comments on that. Thank you very much, Stacy, for the time. Thanks, Bobby. So Stacy, what do you think? Uh, how do you feel when a family private comes in and 
a couple of them are on skis and one of them's on a snowboard. Challenge accepted. <laughs> um, I think uh, that's why I love being a children's educator because we're all multidiscipline. Um, so, you know, one of I was going to suggest a couple things uh, based off of Bobby's comment and also now off of yours, George. So to Bobby's comment, my strategy for that lesson that she described would be to take the six hours and work with the family on dividing up that time um, so that you do get a little bit of individual time with each family member and then save some time near the end of the day where you can bring the whole family back together. That, of course, will depend on their various ability levels. And then when you have a family with a snowboarder and a skier, um, it can be a lot of fun. And actually, skiers can learn a ton from watching a snowboarder move and vice versa. Um, and if they're up for it, one of the greatest drills to do when you have snowboarders and skiers are whirlybirds um, to work on four aft balance for the skiers um, and foot to foot for the snowboarders. So that would be one of the first things I would do, unless, of course, they're all never ever's. Now, Lewis, I see you've got a comment. Uh, would you like to unmute and fire away? Sure. Um, I put in here, I was wondering, there seems like there's a lot of experience in here. And I was wondering if people have felt like there's been a shift in lesson goals this year uh, for the friends and family private. Uh, I feel like the couple that I was involved with last year, there was a lot more pressure on learning. Whereas this year, the lessons that I've seen out on snow, it seems so much more focused on we're out here to have some fun and there's not as much pressure on that learning side as much as providing an excellent fun experience. Um, I'm just wondering what people thought. Yeah, I can comment on that if you want. Um, I think you brought up a really astute point and I think there's a lot of um, truth to what you're saying. Um, what we've noticed is that quite a few families are, quite frankly, are just happy to be out of the house. They're happy to have gotten in their car and driven somewhere else um, or traveled to somewhere else. So I think one of the things that's happened in the last year almost is that people have a different perspective on the value of time together and the place that you spend time together. And so I think we're offering people a different place to spend time with that family unit. And so I think that's part of why that priority has shifted. I will say that um, I would personally, I would never assume that they're not there to learn um, just because they have made an investment in hiring an instructor. Um, but I do agree with you. I think sometimes the goals have changed. Has anyone else seen anything contrary to what I just said? And if you have, if you could make a comment uh, and we can call on you, that would be great. Uh, and while you're thinking about that, Leslie Carter, I've got to hear from you. I love that you've asked family members to say something funny about each other. Uh, what are you've got to have some standouts from that conversation? <laughs> um, yeah, I think what the great thing about that it is they're hilarious, and I think. The great thing is that they leave with a funny experience, the fun skiing, whatever, and they actually do learn something about one another because a lot of times there's so much going on with the vacation and they're so busy. And when they get out there and they can just be silly and say, oh, yeah, well, uh, Robbie fell in the pool after he dropped his frog and people just fall over. And so it's kind of a good icebreaker. It's almost like being in a 
professional environment and you toss the ball to one another and say their name. This way it's even better. Oh yeah, what was the frog's name again? Uh-huh. So then you just bring that through the lesson and you say, maybe you're gonna do a thumper exercise going across the hills like, oh yeah, Robbie the frog, do you wanna show us how to do that? And just kind of like really, really grow their relationship with one another because you know, maybe there's a teen, I had a teenager that was kind of like a little bit of a derp that was kind of like jealous of the little one because they got all the attention. And, you know, it's kind of like manage that family dynamic thing. And they just, they, they, they glow, they shine. And so whatever it is that they're there for, whether it's fun or learning, you know, just when you can, that has worked sometimes and it just maximizes their, their fun. And it's just hilarious to watch them. Isn't it amazing what we as instructors can draw out of our guests? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know the name of a frog down in Florida. So anyway, that was just one example. We had a blast and they really came and they thanked me. And, uh, and so they're clients and yeah, I, I know all the pets. Jilly, <laughs> uh, looks like you've got something to add here. So it, um, I actually had a situation today. I've been, um, four hours now with this little one-on-one -on -one, and I'm enjoying the one-on-ones a lot for the record. Uh, I think it's a, a really cool little product. Our littles in the very beginning, they have very limited focus and time of um, interest to give us. <laughs> and I think that one hour is really cool. Um, but parents joined us this, this for the second one hour this morning and what was um, a very engaged and independent little boy for the past three hours that I'd had him yesterday and today, um, he became extremely um, dependent on his parents and he wanted them around and there was no mention of that prior and it was really challenging. Um, so I think that parents want to help pick kids up when we're supposed to be trying to encourage kids to figure out how to get themselves up on their own, they, they just want to save them. And as I mentioned to the parents, um, let, let, let me help him figure it out because I like to teach independence. I like to offer them the skills that they can utilize to move on to the next step. So it was really interesting to observe that, I've always had that in the back of my mind, but to see it play out in real time, in real life, it was it was validating, but it also <laughs> proved a little frustrating. I, I gave that kid a lot of stickers. Bruce? Well, I think everybody's bringing out the points that we just have to be creative in the way we deal with different families. I've found that our experienced clients that have taken lessons with us before, uh, already know about how to divide up their family and, and either do different blocks of time or we can all ski together, but maybe have different family members doing different things and then meeting together at a, at a common meeting point. And uh, there's just a lot of different ways you can deal with it, but the, certainly the fun aspect is key. You know, we go back to the safety, fun, and learning, uh, which I think has really, we've really had to focus on that a lot this year. 
Now, Margaret, I take offense by your pay attention to the middle child. As the youngest child, I wanted all that attention focused on me. <laughs> well, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. I think everyone's got um, some fantastic comments about how we divide and conquer and then pull a family lesson back together. One thing I've noticed as being a member of a large family and, and a, a parent myself uh, and there's all sorts of studies on birth order, but I think birth order is a huge factor in a family lesson. So classic scenario, mom and dad and four kids, of course, the little is going to get the attention and very likely the older one or older two kids will probably learn at a faster rate. And, you know, just like that bell curve, that little guy in the middle, he's doing like an average job, an okay job. And those are the ones that I really feel need to get called out and get um, some extra attention because you think about their birth order and what it's like to be a middle child in every walk of life. Let, let that not be at their ski lesson as well. Russ, I'd love to hear about, uh, I love the classic post-lesson parent conversation on steroids. If you could get into that a little bit, I would uh, love to flesh that out with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. I'm talking to you from Aspen here. I, it's the classic conversation, right? That we, it's also the sign of a successful kids lesson when you've had a really fun day with a bunch of kids playing games and skiing in the woods or whatever you did. And then you're talking to their parents afterwards about the specific skill development that you were focusing on. The kid looks at you and they were like, but we were just playing in the woods. And in a way, a family private requires that you be bilingual in that way over the course of the lesson while it's happening. So you can be providing a sideline explanation to the parent who's learning, you know, whatever skill you're focusing on in adult speak while playing the game at the same time with the child. So it requires that we be more nimble in that way. Um, but it's the same sort of intellectual skill. I always think about kids instructors as being bilingual anyway, um, but doing it in real time is, is a real challenge, but it's one that meets the, the expectations of the family rather than superimposing our expectations on them. Which actually sounds like a great thing to do. Stacy, I think we've touched on some uh, very good real life experiences with, with what's been going on in our family privates. Um, before we move on, Donnie, did you have a comment you would like to address with us? I was just uh, saying, uh, you know, I had a couple of families that I skied with for many, many, many years. 20, this one family, and um, they have referred to me as Uncle Donnie for a long time. And, and uh, I just have a, a much more extended family um, by going through a lot of these family privates. Stacy, anything you'd like to add in uh, conclusion? Wow, I just, once again, I'm impressed by the participation and I thought everyone's contributions were super valuable. Um, so thanks to all of you for participating. And I kind of want to go out and teach a family lesson tomorrow after this conversation. Um, I will say to anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you would like to join future Tea Talks, we'd love to have you. And if you're on Facebook, we do have a Facebook group called Beaver Creek Tea Talks. And I really thank everyone as well. I, I think it's just wonderful to get so many different perspectives from such a wide variety of instructors. Thank you all for joining us. And from the PSIA ASI Safer at Home Studios in Netherland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Thanks so much for listening to First Chair.